Welcome to the Office 365 Developer Show. I'm your host, Jeremy Thake. The only show focused on Office 365 development, where I talk to the experts from all over the globe coding on the Office 365 platform. For more information on Office 365 development, please visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office365Dev. So before we jump into the show, I wanted to cover off some links today uh, that I found over the course of the week. And um, we'll start with a really cool announcement uh, that's available on blogs.office.com, which is around the OpenXML SDK being open sourced. Uh, for those of you that have ever kind of done any document manipulation in the past with the uh, OpenXML format that was kind of available for a while now in Office, uh, we've actually now open sourced the SDK, which is available at GitHub. And one of the really exciting things about this announcement is, is that not only have we open sourced the SDK code itself, but all of the documentation that's available in MSDN is actually available in GitHub for you guys to be able to go and edit, make modifications, and when you submit a pull request in GitHub, our content management team will actually see that request come through, uh, read your edits and uh, approve it, or maybe tweak it a little bit and approve it, and they'll actually go and get published in MSDN. So we are kind of mirroring what the Azure development team have been doing for a while now, um, and this is our first pilot really into seeing how this works with other initiatives we're doing um, across the Office Developer stack. So please go and check out the OpenXML SDK and also have a look at the documentation in MSDN and how that's looking together in GitHub. And um, again, we're really looking for your feedback there uh, at a whole level really on our documentation. And obviously this is hopefully a good start in the right direction you'll see there. The second blog post I wanted to highlight was Richard Desriga's post. Uh, he was actually up in town in Redmond uh, last week recording some Microsoft Virtual Academy training with Steve Walker and myself and Scott Hillier up recording some stuff as well so look forward to some new Microsoft Virtual Academy training but he's just posted a great article on displaying cross-domain secure images uh, inside SharePoint apps um, in a really neat and a obviously supportable way so if you're having issues with referring to images inside your apps then it's definitely worth a, a check of his blog post there and thirdly, we've got a great one um, by Danny Jesse, who's been doing some work around the, the ribbon, and specifically being able to multiple select items in your list view, and then have a, um, an action occur when you click on the ribbon button that takes that collection of selected items through. So go and check out that link, it's got some great depth there in the code sample. And then lastly, um, we've got a great article over on IT Unity uh, on provider hosted apps versus Microsoft Azure apps. Now, that's come from Scott Hillier, uh, who, I guess, as I said, was talking to last week as well, and he'll be on a sh show in two episodes' time. And he does a great job of kind of walking through the pros and cons of those um, Azure AD apps based on Office 365 APIs, as well as provider-hosted apps, obviously, by the app model. And some of that will become a lot clearer with our messaging as we go forward with some of the additional roadmap items that will add in, in the coming months, but Scott does a great job of kind of managing that based on the knowledge notes and that publicly. So again, big thank you to, to all those community guides for um, offering their blogs and keeping things up to date, and um, hopefully I'll continue to share many different offers in the community as we move forward. So now, um, just starting the show, this was recorded at TechEd North America uh, in, in mid-June with Corey Roth, and um, just pulled him to the side and started to grab to chat to him about what he's been doing lately in the store or in search, business connectivity services, and obviously the SharePoint client-side rendering um, libraries. So again, I hope you enjoy the show, and um, we'll see you at the end of the interview. 
Okay, so it's day two here at TechEd North America in Houston. I um, have a, a semi-native with me in the form of uh, Corey Roth today, so welcome to the show, mate. Thanks, Jeremy. So um, for those of people that uh, don't know who you are, um, you know, what, whereabouts are you from? What have you been doing in the Office Developer Platform space? And um, how can people get in touch with you if they want to keep up with you after the pod show? Excellent. So my name is Corey Roth, and I uh, formerly lived here in Houston, Texas, and now I'm visiting my old uh, hometown. Uh, from San Antonio, Texas now. I work at uh, Hitachi Katolton as an architect, and I've been a SharePoint MVP for uh, four years now. And uh, if you want to get a hold of me or reach me, um, you can find me at Corey Roth on Twitter, or you can go to my blog, find most of the things I post, uh, www.netmafia.com. I've got to say, I like, I've always liked that URL as a .NET Mafia. It's pretty cool. What's the history behind that? Was that you were a .NET guy before you were an Office developer? or? Yeah, that's actually quite true. Uh, so the story uh, around that particular URL actually came from my friend. I can't actually take credit. And it was supposed to be kind of a coalition of several of us that blogged. But it turned out I was really the only one that was producing content regularly for it. And the whole purpose of it really wasn't actually to be a blogging uh, community it really was originally centered around um, flagging recruiters that were not following uh, you know industry practices and doing things that were not legit and lying wow and, like calling them out completely yeah it was kind of like a uh, it's gonna be like a private community for uh, that we could you know write ratings about and stuff like that well that never happened and uh, we decided to turn it into, a, you know, it was a great URL, and somebody made a cheesy logo for it, and it's been there ever since. And <laughs> That's interesting. I always wonder what the background is on that. It's just like wondering, like, you know, the dodgy programmers, you'd like to leave a dead horse's head in their bed or something <laughs> overnight for poor written code in a project or something. But, yeah, that was also uh, my uh, prior to where I was doing SharePoint regularly as well, and, yeah, most of my original blogs were centered around ASP.NET 2.0 right, right. and the migration, and I had actually, you know, done a bit of interaction with Scott Guthrie's team at the time, long before he was, you know, wow, big where he is now, right? Yeah, yeah. so um, have old emails from him and things where I was working with his team. Um, I moved the website to .NET 2.0 two weeks after it was launched, a major wow, transactional okay. uh, website for a rental car company, and so cool. we were very aggressive. So that's so where it kind of started. And, and what, how was your transition into the Office platform then? Is it kind of a natural kind of step with .NET 2 and then SharePoint? It, it or? was at the time, right? So basically, I took a new job at a consulting company, my first real full-time consulting gig. Yeah. And they said, hey, uh, you're, you deploy next week. And oh, by the way, you're an expert on SharePoint search now. And you need to figure out this whole BDC thing. Right. So I showed up. Next thing you know, I kind of got into it. I'm like, oh, this stuff makes sense to me. And I see, I saw the niche and I started loving it and found the SharePoint community. And, you know, seven years later or so, here we are, right? Yeah, right, yeah. And you've always been known, like, your blogs are very focused on the, the search side of the house. And obviously, you know, it's involved quite a bit with uh, the acquisition of Fast and right, right. Um, different things. But in terms of, like, the net new uh, developers out there that are listening to this and maybe they're looking to start building on the app model, what, what types of things are, what options are there available to really leverage that search technology and maybe just walk through that thought process a little bit? Well, Microsoft's done an excellent job on really improving search technology and the last revision of SharePoint, as you know, uh, and everything's based around search for the most part, like all these things that you want to think are really based around search, you know, um, well, the content search web part is a great example, you know, everything's based around search now, so it's a great way to take advantage of uh, getting content to your users 
uh, whether you're using something out of the box or whether you're using something uh, through an API. And so if you're going to be write something as a developer, whether you're using you know, traditional managed code or uh, using maybe a SharePoint hosted app or a provider hosted app, uh, Microsoft's done a great job extending the API for search that we can now access it via REST or the client object model. And so generally, you know, I, I push people towards REST on most of the API choices, except for the one area that it's not available, right? Yeah. And uh, I think it's probably the best way to get content in and out of search, well, sorry, getting content out of search. Yeah. Uh, whether you're writing, you know, a fully trusted code or whether you're writing, you know, a, a simple SharePoint app to, you know, display, you know, some news headlines or something like that, and you just want to control the formatting, so... Yeah. Do you find with the formatting that the way it's responded in or returned to you in the in the REST format, there's there's frameworks you need to use to easily be able to iterate over those collections? Like, what are your tips and tricks for kind of handling the data that's returned by that REST URL that it you is build up? Kind of so, one particular thing about the REST API and search is that the actual search results are in a buried in this object tree probably about 10, 10 layers deep almost. It's like data.d.searchresults.something else. I can't even remember it all. I'd have to go look at my post, right? Yeah. Um, it's so long. And so it's also, it's a bit tricky to work with the way it kind of comes back. And so if people have issues with that, I recommend they use the client-side object model because it comes back a little cleaner yeah. uh, and a different result, and it's easier to bind things. So if you're going to be using Knockout or something like that, it's a little easier to bind if you use the client-side object model. But still, I prefer REST on most of my API calls, and I just kind of deal with it. But yeah. um, I definitely have written code that iterates through the array that gets returned and converts it into something that's more manageable to bind. And, and, and typically with search, I mean, it is very common to see lots of SharePoint and leveraging search to render results rather than going directly to the list to do right. the queries. What types of scenarios have you used recently to leverage that search API within your own work that you've been doing? Uh, in my own work, uh, I have a few apps in the App Store. Uh, I have a, you know, I have an app called uh, Grid Search, and all it does is, you know, I, I've had lots of users come to me over the ages since 2007 or so saying. I want to see my search results in the grid because maybe I want to export them to Excel or something like that or something like that. So it's like, you know, why not make an app that lets people do this because I've had requests for it before. And this is a a great example where I actually go out, use the REST API, and then once I get the data back, I, again, I had to kind of coerce it into a format that I could bind something. And then uh, I write the data out and I use the data tables library to kind of convert it into a more nicer looking UI feel. So just a simple third party out of the box library. Um, it's a little dated now, but it, it still works fairly well. Yeah. And um, with, with that in mind, is there anything you, like rather than calling like a list or library directly, what what's, especially around the search indexing and crawling, what are some of the kind of things you have to bear in mind about the, you know, the results, like for if items are updated, like, sure, you know, sure. what things should you take into account there? So even with, like, continuous crawl, you have to deal with crawl latency, right? So if uh, a user just inserted an item into uh, into a list, you know, they're not going to see that in the search results until the crawler picks it up. But for contents that, <coughs> excuse me, you know, is it changing that frequently? You know, search is a great way because it kind of gives you better performance and kind of a natural caching ability that kind of comes with it, right? Which is a little more efficient than doing a traditional, you know, CSOM call or REST call uh, to get get your list items. Yeah. 
And, and have, have you find that you mentioned BCS earlier on, is there any advantage, you know, I've been seeing a lot of customers using BCS to pull up data from, you know, external systems, but then like bubbling search on top of that, is that something you've seen customers doing and what oh, types of things have you been seeing? Um, um, one of my clients now is actually investing in it heavily. And so they have, uh, it's here in Houston actually, so oil and gas related. <coughs> and uh, they're indexing their list of facilities, which is basically like a rig or a plant or, you know, a manufacturing facility. And so they have this data and uh, we index it through search so they can search for it. But then we also use content enrichment to go out and retrieve other data that's not available at, at index time or, or for that original BCS connection. So it allows us to use call out to an external web service and get additional data. For example, I'm mapping a facility to a term in the term store so that I can query on both and find documents related to that facility. Oh, that's really cool. And, and uh, with that, I mean, with the BCS side, I always find it's kind of, people are aware of it, but they never think right. to use it straight away. It's such a great feature. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've been using BCS in similar scenarios since 2007. And, you know, it's improved a lot and there's a lot of new things in it, right? But I find it's one of these features that people really just don't know that much about. And it's such a great option. You know, if you're, even if you're not building something in SharePoint, right, you can use BCS to index data in your LOB system. And instead of writing something yourself, which is what you had to do before, instead of writing SQL statements to go, you know, index your, your data, just use SharePoint to do it. Yeah. I've actually found, like, uh, Fabian Williams did some great sessions at the SharePoint conference on the BCS stuff. So people want to dig into that, that would be something to definitely check out on, on Channel 9. Um, what other resources we found useful for things like learning about search and, and, and BCS? Is there particular areas, other than your blog, of course, that <laughs> have been useful for this type of thing? Um, you know, I haven't done a whole lot of uh, depth into it. Um, definitely Fabian's been active on it. Chris Givens has been active on it, especially in the area of alerts around BCS. <coughs> as far as things I've been looking at, I think that's about all I've really ran into lately. Yeah, so like apart from your blog, naturally, to find search stuff, where, where have you found has also been useful for you in kind of learning the new thing? So uh, where, where would you go to discover new stuff uh, to try and inspire you to build cool new apps? Uh, definitely as far as search goes, you know, the Microsoft documentation is pretty great. You can start at, you know, MSDN and go from there. And that's where I kind of got started learning the basics of my samples. Now there's uh, a number of samples available out there uh, specifically around uh, how to do these various API calls. So there's on uh, code.msdn. So there's nice uh, whole working examples that you can download and use and put into your project and just go with, which is nice when you're trying to get started. I find when I'm trying to learn how to use a new API, yeah, it's great to read the documentation, but I need a complete example. Yeah. I like to see something that I know is going to work, and that way I don't have to guess. You know, So I think those are good for people getting started, just trying to try out the API. Um, there's also some new things. Uh, there's a new uh, project on GitHub just for display templates, which I think is pretty cool that uh, I think Mark Anderson's one of the people involved, and I can't remember who else. Um, it's just starting to get kicked off, but uh, the whole point of it is to provide a nice public repository for users to get started with display templates. You know, maybe they want a display template that shows things um, with the grid or adds star ratings or something like that. Yeah. Um, some examples I did at my talk at SPC, for example. So I'm going to help add those as well. So I think that's a nice place to learn, um, just community-based uh, learn about how to do display templates which are really powerful for search yeah i think uh P paul hunt was one of the uh, most chatting with a bunch of guys <coughs> including mark anderson and 
think Chris O'Brien, he right. did talk at the European Shepherd Conference last week on the client side rendering on CSR. So that's spcsr.coflex.com. But yeah, you're right. It's yeah. not just uh, display templates. Right. It's also CSR, which yeah. is... Uh, which is neat because you can reuse what other people have already written um, to, and there was a th few areas. It was either the the search area for, you know, like customizing how the search results look, right. uh, the site columns, the rendering in the list view, what that what a column renders out like. So I think the example that Chris used in his session last week was around, you know, it was an integer column value. And if it was over a particular thing, it showed a particular icon. And if it wasn't, cool. it showed a different icon. So, but again, you can do that with the search results as well by like kind of enriching uh, what those search results look like by changing the display template. Yeah, so exactly. That's useful. And I, yeah, I, you did that session at SPC as well, right? Yeah, I did a display template session at SPC. Yeah. And I showed users how to totally transform the results into a grid. And we also added star ratings. And you could click on the star rating. It would go live, you know, call the uh, API, the social API to actually, you know, set that star rating just like you had done it in a document library. Oh, right. That's cool. That's awesome. <coughs> so it's a good little template. And, and so so what's next with you? Like, what are you... Is there particular technology areas on the stack that you're looking at or looking to learn, or...? Uh, I think I'm going to continue to uh, dive deeper into the app model. Uh, at SPC, particularly, one thing that I found kind of exciting is the ability to package a workflow that's, you know, kind of coming soon. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm really excited about that particular technology because I think there's a lot of business value that can be added by packaging, you know, reusable business processes and maybe tailor them slightly and then deploy them. And so it's nice. <clears throat> I think that there's a lot of excitement around there. So I'm kind of looking forward to that and the new tooling that's going to come with that. Of course, uh, also the uh, Office 365 Discovery APIs. Uh, I'm pretty excited about that, trying those out and... Uh, just authenticating easier to Office 365, I think that's yep. going to be very valuable. And and so from the app side, you mentioned you've got the the, the one app in there around the search results. But what else have you been uh, what else have you been doing in the store? So uh, I've got a number of apps in the store. I was pretty aggressive on getting some apps in at launch, and so uh, <coughs> not making millions of dollars. I don't have a Bentley parked outside, but you know it's 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 it was a fun way to learn it and kind of motivating. And every once in a while, some money shows up. Uh, the things I have out there, are, you know, common thing just to do job listings internally. You know, it's, um, it's been pretty popular. Um, people are pushing it, trying to do things more than, than I can really do with it, but uh, uh, they like it. And uh, we've got a couple things to help you do search or like uh, create an advanced search screen. And uh, they're all SharePoint hosted apps, which I've really been kind of focused on. So I haven't been doing any provider hosted apps or anything like that. So what was your main decision around using SharePoint hosted over <laughs> provider hosted? You know, really what it was is I started with it because it's easier to get kind of started with that. I don't have to consider external hosting or, you know, managing how to figure out how to do pricing of maybe storing my provider hosted app in Azure and then trying to figure out how to do pricing. And this was before the subscription pricing model was available yeah. as well. So, But really what it came down to, I was just amazed at how much I could really do client side all with script yeah. you know in, in javascript and you really can do a lot and so i was like if i can get so much done with this there's really no reason to switch to a provider hosted app just so i can use managed code yeah and so yeah there's definitely scenarios i can't do obviously you know but uh for the most part you can do a lot and i encourage you to try a sharepoint hosted app before ever trying a provider hosted app just because i think 
you know, if you can leave the managed code out of it, the better, right? Yeah, yeah. No, there's definitely a lot of schools of thoughts on that. I think there, there may be a few people in the call going, oh, what's he talking about? But I think, you know, the more I speak to people, there is definitely the camps that want to live in the client side yeah. world and the camps that want to live in the, uh, the managed server side code as well. And uh, actually, uh, I was talking to Andrew Connell recently and he was talking about the hybrid world. And hybrid is kind of this, you know, overused term, but in the yeah. sense that some of your code's in managed and some of mm -hmm. the clients really get that, that nice user experience and the single page app type feel. But locking away some of your IP on the, on right, the server right. side with the app, um, app perspective. Yeah, of course, that's a concern, yeah, because if you are deploying it, you know, people right. can get your code and they yeah. can look at you and technically they could totally. copy it, you know, but, you know, if somebody wants to take the time to copy my app yeah. and, you know, <coughs> publish something out there or they want to use it to, like, get past my licensing mechanism <laughs> or something, you know, okay, you spent probably more effort than you probably could have just in just buying the app to begin with, right. so, you know, if you want to steal my app, I really don't care, you know, for the most part. Yeah, not worth the effort. It's um, it's certainly a concern there, and you know, obviously, there's a lot of guidance online on making sure you know you can do your app in a way that that is is kind of locked down as much as possible. And the server side way is definitely going to protect you more than a, a true right. client definitely side. On the licensing app. side, because yeah. basically, if you think about your licensing code on a SharePoint hosted app, if you can bother to implement it, because you don't have to technically, right? Yeah. But uh, for the handful of apps I've done it with, you know. You know, it calls out to some external service, and basically a token gets returned, and um, you can kind of parse that to figure out if it's a license is valid or not. But yeah. it's not hard to open the developer toolbar, figure out what's going on, and you know, you could Just change a variable or skip yeah. past it, and technically yeah, yeah. you can get the code to run. Now, are your end users going to do that? No, but you know, yeah. um, so you know, it's only so secure, I guess, as being a client side hosted. Yeah, I guess the thing is, is that there's only so many times you're going to patiently do that in the developer yeah, toolbar. But you go, you know what? I'm just going to pay sure. for this app now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're really not wanting to spend some money if you're willing to open developer right. toolbar to skip my licensing in, right? So. Yeah. So it's uh, not a concern for mine. And um, ha have you looked at many of the other apps in the store, or any that kind of catch your eye and go, "Oh, I wish I'd have thought of that," or that you're just impressed with how they've done things? Um. Honestly, uh, the one that you were kind of behind that point meetings app, I thought was pretty impressive. Oh, he's he's just saying that now because I'm here. Thank you. Uh, the SharePoint videos app is supposedly yeah. I hear lots of good things about, and uh, haven't actually touched it firsthand in a while. But I think those two are probably the ones that stick out. And then like on the office side, the DocuSign app is pretty cool, right? Yeah. So I, I find that handy, right? Yeah, I'm always needing uh, to sign something or whatever, you know. It's one of those ones where you look at it now and you just go, that is just a no-brainer to put into the, the app model. And I'm kind of excited to see what other vendors come on board in that space where, you know, the Compose and, and the Task Pane and yeah. uh, even, like, app parts and SharePoint and how people can kind of start presenting their stuff up directly in from the store. So, Yeah, I'm definitely interested in the office side of apps. I haven't actually written any for the office clients yet, but I just haven't had an idea, I think, that I could pursue. But I, I'm excited about it. I want to try it. Yeah. I just... I haven't come up with that, that killer idea to uh, go put in the store yet. Yeah, I think once you start seeing some of the, and I encourage people listening to this, that to go into the store and just download some into PowerPoint and Word and, and check out how they operate with the, the kind of the out-of-the-box experience. I think the one that I've kind of been blowing people's minds with recently is the Poll Everywhere app in, yes, in PowerPoint. Um, you know, like injecting the survey directly into your slide as a you know as a content app was just a just a great example of you being able to inject something you know very easily into a, an out of the box PowerPoint deck. Right, there was a great demo of that at SPC right during right. the uh, I think it was the Power Hour, maybe it was the developer keynote, can't remember which one, and people were texting live yeah. to uh, make their poll uh, choice, and it was yeah. cool to see it update live on. Yeah. It's kind of my one-trick pony at the minute. I need to have a bit, bit more of an assembly of apps to um, 
show off as part of the store <laughs> side of things but it's just such a great way to get integration yeah, especially if you've got a tough audience you know the actually there's no harm in uh, the americans putting their arms up and offering advice or questions but <laughs> you know i find some of the european countries can be a bit quite more quiet and reserved they are, i noticed that as well when i did amsterdam they did uh, ask a whole lot of questions yeah. and, uh, so having that poll everywhere where they can integrate with you know on their phones without actually kind of speaking up was uh Definitely a great way to make sure that everyone was alive and actually engaged. Oh, that's a great way to get a yeah. little interaction out. I'll have yeah, to keep yeah. that in mind. Yeah, uh, I've seen a lot of people using it internally, actually on link calls and stuff. So that's been oh, really? pretty cool too. Yeah. So um, yeah, just definitely try that one out if you've got um, PowerPoint open. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, doing a running a user group meeting or even an internal meeting as well. Yeah, it's a great app. It's a great app. Cool. Well, thanks very much for your time, Corey. I, um, you know, as I say, it's uh, always good to see what you've been posting, and you are one of the more prolific blog posters to the point where I'm like, well, how has he got a real job and, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, a, a new wife and um, still managing to p- p- be publishing kind of strong content and those things. So I appreciate what you do for the community. I appreciate you uh, taking time to talk to me. It was good, good talking to you as always. Cool. Well, I enjoy being back in your uh, hometown and, um, well, I'm sure we'll catch up soon at some other event. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Enjoy the rest of the conference. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks again for listening. Make sure you check out dev.office.com for all of your Office 365 developer needs. All the links from the show are in the blog post on blogs.office.com WACDEV, where you can find the latest news about Office 365. If you have any ideas for new shows or questions for us, please join us in our Yammer group in the Office 365 technical network. Have a great week, guys, and keep coding on Office 365.